We got both of you on tonight, right? Brandon and Chris? You got it. Yep. Appreciate the time, guys. Obviously, want to talk about the album Mother Brain and some tunes and get your opinion on a couple of things. But uh, there's no way to not talk about this pandemic and what's going on and how it's affected you guys. And curious, since we're a California-based radio station, you guys are out of PA. How have things opened back up for you guys? Are you guys getting back out there? Are you going out and getting haircuts and stuff? Or what? what's life looking like these days? Haircut. <laughs> well, I, I can attest for Brandon has not have had a haircut on his face or his hair for many, many years. And unfortunately, I'm a bald guy. But I, I did. Uh, I'm letting a mustache grow. You know, so it's getting pretty, pretty wily. But you know, we're in PA now. You guys are in the green up here. I'm, I'm living in Texas, and I. Uh, came up for this week of like virtual shows well i flew up here obviously um when boy are my arms tired <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't resist dude. how was um, it did you have the mask on the whole time during the flight how was that so it was interesting i was worried you know for my safety and everyone's safety around me flying but they're pretty good about it they make sure to let everyone know that if I flew American. He said, "If if you take your your mask off during the flight at any point, you will not be able to fly American in the future." It was serious, and you would see a few people that would just you know you maybe took it off a little more than they should have. But um, yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, everyone has their own thing with the pandemic, so. Yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy. I mean there is no one way or one version or one route because everyone's got a different way of how they're handling things and curious too with this with this going on as have you guys done anything any projects around the house has it been music full-time or or have, uh, have you picked up a new hobby or anything or just put on like a, a nice beer belly over the break <laughs> i'm learning to run heavy equipment uh, i've actually got uh thankfully my brother-in-law is cool enough to, to put me behind uh, the joysticks but i got a, a a new gig to get me through and that's uh learning learning to run some heavy equipment so, um, you know, it's full on dad mode. Here. <laughs> yeah. And I, me and my wife both tattoo. So those were also shut down. So, you know, I just started, uh, I always wanted to make like woodcuts out of jigsaw and with a jigsaw and like, you know, paint, make interactive, like almost like old school toys. So uh-huh. yeah, I make woodcuts and I paint them and stuff and uh, a lot of them have like move, moving parts. Like one's like a monster head with a dagger that like you can move the dagger through its head and stuff. Like, so I'm doing just weird stuff like that. I'd say for a couple months, it kept me really busy. Now I'm sick of that too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a website? Are you selling them or anything or? Yeah. Uh, Bishop's Wacky Wood. Woodcut. <laughs> awesome. Um, you go to my Instagram. It's in my uh, the top of my uh, Instagram. Awesome, and, and I also love the uh, the the phrase that you guys desc- uh, how you guys describe your band, "dirty groove rock." That's a it's a great term. I'm just happy that we have some rock and roll. I feel like rock and roll has been missing for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was on the resurge there for a little while, for a couple years, and I think uh, you know it, it's it's cool because. You know, say what you will about a band like Creative Van Fleet. They're bringing a new audience to rock and roll. And, and I mean, kids are maybe hearing about Led Zeppelin for the first time, which in any aspect, in, in any form, that's that's a cool thing. So we've always sort of done our own thing. And we're not trying to, you know, chase any trend or anything. But there for a little while, rock and roll was seeming to, you know, 
rise to the top a little bit and and now we just kind of have to hit the pause button so um hopefully i think one of the things that's going to come out of this is people aren't going to take for granted some of the things that maybe we have before like going to see a live show and i think when everything comes back to um you know i don't think anything's going to be normal anytime soon but you know when we get back out there and when fans get back out there to see shows i think the mentality is going to be a little different do you guys have any any concerns or any or anything that you need as an artist before you'll go back out there no i mean i feel like we put our lives on the line every time we try <laughs> from point a to B, so. yeah it's already pretty risky <laughs> yeah um you know and, and i think it's just the fear of the unknown uh, with this and i think we're kind of used to that you know i think it's just the nature of the beast of what we do is that everything is subject to change but uh, of course nobody can predict anything like this you know the one thing i'm worried about is uh we're the kind of band who just likes to get out in the crowd and and we really just like to talk to everybody and i don't know what it looks like when we get back out there you know i don't know uh what the responsible thing to do is uh, you don't want to seem insensitive. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've never been like a meet and greet kind of band. We just said, you know, we we go to the merch booth after the show and we hang out. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. Right. Uh, so that's the part that worries me the most. And that, and I, I just don't want to have to wear a mask when I sing. <laughs> Imagine that be I'll pretty possible. <laughs> Although you know, good, Slipknot's had good success wearing a mask and singing, so it, it, there's a precedent for it, yeah, I guess. You I'll know, have to take a page book. You know, speaking of of touring and just kind of thinking about, I don't know for you guys, but for me, I've, over these past couple of months, I've really kind of been looking on like the past year of all the concerts I've gone to, and just trying to hold on to those like precious memories and and try to relive them in my head each night. And I'm curious for each of you, up to your career to this point, if I'd love to hear an individual like best show of your career, whether it was playing with somebody or you were just in the groove that night. Do you guys have a a favorite show looking back on your almost 10 year career i think uh for me it was probably motorboat we played motorboat and uh which was an awesome thing in and of itself because we were just getting off of the motorhead tour which was an insane experience in and of itself uh you know just being able to meet lemmy and and just see how he is just the most humble human being the motorboat show though was uh you know just one of those spur of the moment sort of things i ended up jumping into the pool on the ship from the lighting truss oh. and uh there's no evidence out there and you'll see <laughs> i slip at one point and almost fall off <laughs> so my career almost ended right then and there in a nutshell i think that's that, that show is kind of what we're all about you know just taking risks and and trying to make the best show possible and uh you know just being on that boat with all those great bands and 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 great fans that was a highlight for me for sure for me i think uh the craziest and you know there's it's sort of it's a dark thing to talk about, but the Paris attacks happened. We were we were overseas and we were on tour. We we tried to get the Eagles a death metal tour, but the money didn't work. So we we ended up headlining, and uh, we were two weeks behind Eagles of death metal. And when we flew in, we we went to their show and we saw them, and it was one of the best, happiest shows. You know, and I mean, it was such a loving like you couldn't imagine anything negative from you know coming from that show. And then we heard that that happened at the Bataclan, which we had just played at a few months before with black label so all those pictures were fresh in our minds we knew how the how it was laid out and, and everything it was just horrifying and uh we were scheduled to play paris in two weeks 
after that had happened and the band we were on tour with scorpion child they were hesitant about doing it and we were like should we cancel and we ended up keeping the show and the show that we played was the first show for the crew of the Bataclan that they came back it was at a different club but they came and they worked our show and it was packed and you know people had signs and they were just so grateful that we came and played and uh it was one of the one of the best feelings on stage after all that happened it was nerve-wracking to be on stage in general because it's like man believe that happened and there were police and guards everywhere at every show and it was just like it was intense and then uh when we played it everyone was just it was an awesome show so that was probably my favorite and probably just a big sigh of relief coming off stage, like, oh, we got through that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's pretty relevant, too, I mean, to what we're going through right now in that, you know, our world was shook for a little bit. We thought about things differently, like, oh, wow, we have to actually look for our exits before we get on stage. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's changed forever. Our minds are forever changed. And I think, you know, we, we will definitely come back from the pandemic and things will be stronger than ever. I'm very confident in that. But but it just goes to show that, you know, while you're in the moment, it, it just feels like it's never going to end, you know, or that this is going to be the way things are going to be forever. And, it, it, you know, things kind of fall into place. So I think the same thing's going to happen here. Um, obviously, none of none of us know how it, how it's going to work or, or when or how soon. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, speaking of uh, you, you had mentioned the motorboat and the motorhead tour. And, you know, I'm kicking myself now. I, I rode in an elevator one time with Lemmy and was too uh, embarrassed and shy to say anything to him and I, i'm kicking myself for not at least saying hello really quick or something but curious if you guys had any any one-on-one time with him any any stories when we were on the tour it was unfortunately it was like he was like a little under the weather we had to cancel some shows so we didn't get to see a lot of him i mean we i remember um he, he was in a wheelchair at some point and anytime he would see any member of us like from the band he would he would stop and he would get up and walk you know he didn't he didn't want anyone to see him you know vulnerable you uh-huh. know and uh it was just such a, a legendary you know to the end he's just a legend so it was uh it sucks that you know he was so sick there at the end but you know he canceled some shows but you wouldn't be able to tell you know he was still sounding great and killing it and it was pretty uh inspiring to say the least yeah, I mean, there'll never be another Lemmy. I mean, definitely a one-of-a-kind dude. And wanted to talk a little bit about the, the album Mother Brain, your third album now. How did you hook up with Corey Lowry to produce the album? Through our manager, through our booking agent, mutual friends. And, of course, uh, we've toured with Seven Dust, so we know Clint very well. And um, Corey's name came up, and um, we just pursued it and it just made perfect sense all the way through and you know when we finally got word that everything was going to happen we trucked down to atlanta and got in the studio and we got our hands dirty right away and you know it was it was really uh, a benefit to the record and to say that we couldn't have done it without Corey is an understatement. It's funny because I just talked to Clint last week because he's got his solo album out, but I'm surprised you didn't go with Clint for, for the production. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, it, things just kind of, we, we just 
the wheels started spinning and the gears started moving and and you know it's just uh, one of those things where we kind of never look back but so glad that that we decided to go with Corey because we made the record that we wanted to make we hope that our fans feel the same way that it's the album that they wanted it's definitely a progression and I think that we're always trying to to keep climbing and um, what better guy to have in your corner than than Corey when you when you're trying to write a grungy 90s sounding record he just knocked it out of the park with the production stuff and the writing stuff I mean he was definitely a fifth member you know we ended up actually writing a song Blackout with him while we were in the studio you know we got a little bit of everything from Corey was there a, a mission statement for this album was it to make a dirty record was that that kind of the goal for this one the songs were darker so it was it leaned a little towards that sort of world of production and like you know it, it was definitely a grungier record than we've made in the past whereas like before we've leaned a little more into the 70s world this one was we leaned a little harder in the 90s a little darker so you know maybe more metal you would say but i think it's cool to have an album that sounds a little bit different you know or or leans a little towards you know a certain direction the next one who knows who knows what it'll be if it'll be even farther in that direction or you know back the other way we're not really sure yet but we just like we just write a bunch of songs and whatever happens happens you know, speaking of, of that grungy vibe and, and 90s and a little uh, music game I like to play with everyone I talk to and be curious to see how you guys come down on this a individual question for you both. But sticking bands in, in a category and kind of looking at the 90s, early 90s, the Flannel Five to kind of encapsulate <laughs> 90s rock, right? You, you know where I'm going, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Curious for each of you guys individually, who would be your favorite? Not that those bands could tour anything, but out of those five that I just named, who's your numero uno of the Flannel Five? Wow. We're both going to say Soundgarden. Yeah. I, that's, there's no no question. And in my world, like Soundgarden's my top two bands of all time. So anything Chris Cornell, really. Is that is that what it really comes down to? Is Chris Cornell? Is that that's why you love Soundgarden? Not really, no. Um, because I love Ken Thale as a guitar player. Also, STP. I, I love STP. The DeLeo brothers are phenomenal. Scott Weiland is one of the greatest frontmen of all time. But Soundgarden was just a whole different world of like they were able to play in weird time signatures and weird tunings and still be dark and dangerous and powerful and still write amazing, deep, thought-provoking songs that were unrivaled by anyone, I think. So you guys are both on Soundgarden, without a doubt. Yeah, um, I mean, it's close with Alice in Chains for me, just because I've grown up with Alice in Chains a little more than I have Soundgarden. It's basically just because I had the self-titled Alice in Chains on cassette tape when I was a kid. Nice. And it was one of the probably four cassette tapes that I had. <laughs> and what an album. That one is just, Alice in Chains is just so weird too and just so unique and you know i feel like grunge is just i don't want to say it's an unfortunate title but it's not a very fitting title for all of those bands because they're so different there's no real common ground other than like location right and my (laughs) thing is like where do the melvins fit in to that to me melvins is also a grunge band and they would be right up there in my top mm-hmm. you know top grunge bands for sure like you know probably Soundgarden and Melvin would be my top two even though they weren't as big of a mainstream band but they were definitely a grunge band and just to put a button on it uh, pick a, a Soundgarden tune to play on the radio 
Oh, man. Go ahead, because if you pick this one, I'm going to pick <laughs> another one. Uh, I will pick Rusty Cage. Nice. Because that's the song we want to cover in the future, and yeah. it is so weird. There's so many feels in that song. That end final breakdown is so heavy, and they tune to B, so the guitars riffs are so low, and you know Chris Cornell is singing in like a weird pattern. It's just such a a weird song. That's a perfect example of that song was a giant success, and. It's played on the radio to this day, mm-hmm. and it's the weirdest, most left-field songs, and people just don't realize it because it's done so well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I kind of found out after Chris had passed it. Like, I didn't realize how much songwriting he did. I didn't realize how many riffs he had written, and then with all those odd time signatures, too, and stuff, and come to find out after the fact, and, and just tragic that he had left us way too soon. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think if I can go with a deep cut, there's a story behind it. Fresh tendrils, because we were playing, where was that? The Marlin Room at the Bowery? Was it the Bowery? So we were playing the Bowery. Bowery Yeah, Bowery Electric in New York City. And, uh, you know, once we loaded in and we started walking around, we saw posters. And we were so upset because it was the next night, Soundgarden was playing upstairs in the big room at Bowery. And we were obviously going to miss it because we were going to be somewhere else the next night right it was just like man wouldn't it be awesome if we could just stay tomorrow and watch the sound garden show so we're you know get got done sound check and and somebody comes up to us and says hey you're never going to believe this sound garden is upstairs sound checking right now for their show tomorrow night we're not allowed up there i didn't tell you that i got up there <laughs> like okay i'm going if somebody kicks me out they kick me out but this is my one chance to maybe see them in a in an element that i'll never get to see them again so i'm walking up and i'll, I'll never forget i'm walking down the aisle in the theater and they're playing fresh tendrils which is just such an unusual song for them to play in the first place but such an awesome song and chris's voice sounded so amazing and i know that he's had his ups and downs with you know with with live performances and you know he's blown his voice quite a few times and you know sometimes he he has an off night but i'm telling you i would put money that he never sounded better than than that day that i saw him perform fresh tendrils and uh man and that was the only time i ever got to see Soundgarden. Wow, that that is a great story, and I imagine that the hair on your arms was standing up just listening to him him croon away. Oh, still does. It still <laughs> does to this day about that moment. That's how you know it was a, a bitchin' show and an even better story. I appreciate all the time, guys. Last question I have for you, kind of a fill in the blank and non music related. We've been talking a lot about music. Want to learn a little bit about you individually? So it's a fill in the blank. When it comes to blank, I spare no expense. <laughs> When it, wow. when it comes to barbecue, oh, oh. No, listen, I'll get that three meat plate. I, I, won't, I won't bat an eye at that. I'll, I'll spend 30 bucks on a plate of good barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> You're in California, so I'm allowed to say this legally. Mm-hmm. I spare no expense when it comes to weed. <laughs> and I got a shiny new bong. You know, it's one of those silver lining purchases because I broke my other one and now i got a shiny new one 
And uh, it's one of the things I spare no expense on. So two questions going back to both of your guys' answers uh, on the bong. So you're old school flower guy, not going into the, the concentrate or the dabs or any of that stuff or the edibles, sticking to the old school I flowers? Mean, yeah, yeah, when it's right. I mean, if it's the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> it's it just you got to plan for that kind of thing. You know, it's like when you, you do anything like <laughs> when you take psychedelics, you got to plan for it. <laughs> I feel like it's the same way with the concentrates and, and things like that. And then as far as the barbecue, do you just consume barbecue or, or do you make your own barbecue? Or are you out there grilling too? Well, I mean, I grill, but I'm, I'm living in Texas and they don't mess around with their barbecue. And no. they would they would laugh at me if I tried <laughs> to, to do it myself. I would basically have to apprentice under our uh, our merch guy Anthony because he smokes and he he does all like he does it the right way and I would take some some lessons from this guy before I would you know ruin a, a nice beautiful Texas brisket. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Or take some lessons from Dave Grohl. Apparently, he's he's the bi- big into barbecue now, and he he's the man. He's got oh, his own. That'd be a dream. That'd be a dream of mine right there, just to like hang out and barbecue with Dave Grohl. That'd be awesome. Beautiful guys, thank you so much for the time, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you out there on the road sooner than later. Yeah. Absolutely, thanks, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now do me a favor and subscribe to it. Radioactive Mike Z, available on all the major platforms. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram at MikeZ967, and I'll follow you back, bro. Most importantly, don't miss the show, Wired in the Empire, every Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on 96.7 KCAL Rocks.